<laughs> oh boy, good start. All right. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, episode 12, where we discuss the pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. My name is Arun Kumar. I'm the driver, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? Doing all right. Good morning, Arun. Good morning, listeners. Just a reminder, if you like what you hear here, go ahead and share the podcast. Leave a review. Send us a message on one of your favorite social media platforms and let us know how we're doing. And thanks for listening. It's um, raining very heavily outside and it's kind of dampened my mood. I don't know about you. Um, really? Rain? It's, it's dampening dampened. the mood? It's dampened it. I mean, I mean, we had our first like almost 70, 70 degree day yesterday. So... I guess rain would beat that. <laughs> yeah, we it was it's been warmer, which is good. But I'm also practicing my dad jokes. Oh, yeah, lay one on me. Give me a good dad joke. I just I just did. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I, I only I only had one. Oh, all right. I'll work on it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need you need you need some material, man. I'll send you a book. Oh, okay. This is the thing that all new fathers receive, I guess. I mean, I used Google, but I'll be okay, more fun fine. with it. <laughs> fine, fine. Anyways, we're going to talk about something that I actually do have experience with today. Not fatherhood yet. But since 2018, I have started more businesses than I would care to admit. And I have watched and advised others on starting their businesses. And through that experience and through hearing in group chats and Facebook groups and all sorts of places where people are getting indoctrinated with that entrepreneurship culture and want to be more successful with their lives. I've heard of a lot of people who say, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to go out for myself. I think this is for me, including some members of the Driven Network. We've had both success and not yet success from that. And I basically just want to cover a checklist for you that I believe is important when you're considering starting a business that you check off everything on this list. And it's not going to be the list that you may think it is. Because where your business cards or your domain name or the name of your business or your logo or your LLC and your license to operate or permission from your employer, while all of those things matter for long-term success, they're only going to stand in your way of getting started in the first place because so much of business ownership and starting your own business sounds like this really official thing that you have to go out and file all the paperwork and get your branding together. And it's exciting that you're doing all this really official stuff, but it's not fun. It can be complicated. And it's also unnecessary because in my experience, there are really only 
three things that are necessary for you to actually start my definition of a business. You don't need an LLC. So I'm going to get into those three things now. The first one is a product. Do you actually have something to offer that people want? Do you have something that's going to solve a problem for people? So there are obviously millions or billions of examples here for a product with which you can add value. I think where I really struggled with this is that when I started Driven Performance Advisors, I am a CPA, I was getting my MBA, I have a lot of business experience, I have a lot of consulting experience, and I was super overeducated in really, really detailed financial and operational high-level consultative work. And I would go into these shops that I felt were my ideal consulting clients And I would just talk to them about my expertise, but I didn't actually have a product that I was selling. And people would kind of prompt me to pitch them on a product or a service that was really like a package deal that had a price tag and made sense as a, as a thing that you could buy. So was like your issue with your potential customers, like they physically couldn't see how or I'm sorry, they couldn't physically see what you were pitching to them would benefit them? Is that how I'm understanding it? Well, or you're, you're, or you're way too high level, like 30,000 foot versus, you know, a thousand feet. Have you sat through a lot of product and service pitches in your life? Yeah. And I've been, <laughs> I've been on the, the, the sending side of it too. <laughs> okay, so on the receiving end, do you, have you have you come to differentiate between good and bad pitches? Oh yes. So yeah, w- what are some elements of a of a good pitch? Well, for me, as someone who has sold physical product uh, and services in the past, for me that was a success the a successful pitch um i gave a sense of like uh relatability to my customers and in giving like real life examples on why the product would benefit them the most um and also being able to show exactly what that product was in front of them. like i i had like like the props in front of me when I was selling, you know, to, mm-hmm. to make sure that they could see it or see the flow or see what it does. And if they had questions about it, they could touch and feel it. That That's how I would sell products. Now on the receiving end, like going through like a, let's say we, we were trying to use like a, like a shop tracker to track vehicles. Right. And yep. we had a couple of companies that came in that just did a, poor job of showing exactly what their system was. Um, it, it was hard to follow. It, it almost seemed like they couldn't relate to what we were doing because they weren't 
in shops all the time either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of how I would see like a bad pitch is like, if you really don't know your customer's background, um, it would be a huge kink in your, in your ability to sell. Okay. So I really liked one thing that you said in there, which was that you know exactly what you're, what you're being pitched on, what you could be buying. Mm-hmm. And that, so that was what I struggled with was that there were a lot of conversations that I had where people were basically confused as to what I was selling and it, they would say, okay, so are you going to, are you going to do my books? Are you going to help me with marketing? Like I don't, those are the things I need can you do either of those things? And I didn't really want to be a bookkeeper at first and I didn't have any confidence in my marketing. So I would just leave and not sell anything. Uh, okay. Gotcha. So, so there was some general confusion on your side and their side of what exactly was being pitched and sold on. Right. And I didn't, I didn't have a product. So it took me a few months actually to come up with what I ended up calling the Shoptimizer. That was one of my first products. I like it. I, I like <laughs> it. That's that's actually a good name. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. That was uh that was the first product I ever sold through DPA, and it was basically a one day assessment where I would come in and I had a twelve point inspection that I would do. So I called it the Shoptimizer inspection. And I would come in, spend the day and go through these 12 areas of your business operations, everything from your computer at the front desk to what kind of lift you were using and where it was aligned, how well your techs were compensated, what kind of benefits packages did they have? How was your leadership style? What was your customer cycle? And because I had a passion for making sure that shops succeeded in delivering good value to their customers, it came very intuitively to me. And I was able to combine that passion for cars, this is why I started the business in the first place, with my skill sets in finance, strategy, and operations. And it was through that synthesis into a product that I really came up with, okay, this is what I am selling. This is what I am able to pitch to people with a value proposition and a price tag. And that became something that I could really talk to people about and say, here's your ROI. Here's exactly what it's, what it's going to look like. Now, I think for a lot of people, this is probably the easiest one to get over as far as checking the box. You want to start an axe throwing company. You want to start a lawn mowing company. You want to start a shop. You want to start a car dealership. I want to start a a bubble tea shop in West Omaha, you know, because my wife loves them. Yeah. And there's not one in, in that market. So, you know, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe my my wife and I have been joking about it for like six months. (laughs) Okay. It, well, if you keep joking about it, it's probably going to happen. It, it might happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So so in most cases, it's something traditional. It's probably something that's been done before, or you're trying to be very innovative. I talked to somebody recently who was trying to start 
a different sort of automotive entertain. Oh man, oh bad cough there. Uh, entertainment platform. So it was like a it was like a bar slash racing sim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which, All right. Which yes, your first thought of aren't you drinking and driving? Technically, yes, but it's a simulator, so um, I guess it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. I've played drinking games while playing Mario Kart in the past. Oh, um, everybody's so done this that. Sounds like yeah. A way more, yeah, <laughs> this sounds like a more adult way to go about it. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. Yeah, So, but we talked about it, and the, and the point was, is yes, he absolutely had a product that that he was going for and and so then if you find yourself being an innovator rather than just a competitor to an existing market then one last step you have to do when you're creating a product when this is what i had to do was you have to validate the market so you may have something that you think is an absolute genius idea that's going to print money and be the best thing that ever happened to you and your entire community and everybody who uses this product but you have yet to talk to anybody about how it works and (laughs) it wouldn't take you long to do it, but you're scared to do it because you don't want the feedback or you're not ready yet, or it's not ready yet, whatever it may be. But you have to do that before you go and full send on your new business. You need that market validation. And this was another thing. This was actually something that I did very well because six months before I started my business, I went and hung out at a shop for, you know, two, three evenings a week. And I would talk to the owner about his business and what he was struggling with. And although I didn't take that specific business model away and use it in other businesses or in other, um, in other products with other shops in my consulting work, it validated what I was doing in that, yes, I can absolutely drive value to shops with my skill set. So that was the last part of the product. So that's number one. The second thing you need is sales and marketing. So kind of, kind of going back right where we just left off, you may have the best product in the world. It may be validated But if you don't have a packaged up little product that you can buy and the ability to go and sell it and the ability to generate awareness for it, then you're not going to sell it. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how excited the market is. If you can't get out there and sell the damn thing, if you can't generate awareness through marketing, then you're not going to get anywhere. Now, sales and marketing is two separate things. Marketing comes first, even though it's second in the the description. (laughs) Marketing is generating awareness for a product, for a brand. And sales is, okay, now the person is aware, now you want them to actually buy it. So I'll I'll make that delineation. We can do a whole episode on sales and marketing in and of itself. I'm I'm not the expert. Neither am I, so we're gonna, we, might, <laughs> we might need to bring a guest on for that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'll help. I'm sure that'll help us a lot. I, I, feel, like, I feel like this topic is my weak spot when, mm-hmm. uh, when we were going full bore with our e-commerce, e-commerce company. Wow, I cannot speak today. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think uh, an entire podcast with someone that actually knows what they're talking about might benefit myself as well as our listeners. So <laughs> okay, I think we should. <laughs> if if you're a sales and marketing expert and you would like to join us on our podcast, write to me at anywhere but TikTok, Arun D. Kumar. um okay so sales and marketing from my perspective when you're starting a business what you need is pricing branding a plan for how people are going to find you and a plan for how people are going to buy from you so pricing and branding we've kind of already talked about i am not saying that you go out and you make a logo and you make business cards and you get a website i don't care about that your product can stand head and shoulders above the brand that you build. And it really should in most cases. However, you still need something memorable that's beyond just the product. Your personal brand, if you're starting this business as just yourself or just you and a partner, your personal brand is what's going to sell it and what is going to be memorable and what's going to be unique because that's all a brand really is, is it's a unique identifier. So if you're able to create that one way or another, however it is, whether you're, you know, for me, it was, I made three t-shirts and I made two hoodies. All of them had my Driven Performance Advisors logo on it. I put that same logo on my Instagram and the way I would do my sales and marketing is I would DM shops on Instagram and try to set up meetings to come and talk to them about their business. And a lot of them wouldn't respond, but I would still go walk in there cold and they would say, oh, I think I've seen your logo somewhere. And so it was that sort of familiarity that got me in the door faster and that I had that unique identifier. And despite what I just said about you don't need to create a logo and now here I am talking about how I created a logo. There are other ways that you can set yourself apart, whether it's your personality, whether it's the product name, but you do need something, but don't go and invest a lot into it or think that it's going to make or break your company. My first logo was literally the words driven performance advisors and a gray line, a gray, literally bar. Hey, I mean, you're, you're one step ahead of, uh, the cardboard box cutout behind Jeff Bezos at a uh, uh, at his original headquarters that just said Amazon in black paint. <laughs> and I forget how he came up with the name Amazon. Do you know? I don't remember. It's been a while since I heard the story on it. <clears throat> okay, well, yet another thing we'll need to come back to you on. But uh, <laughs> that's a, that that's a great point that. You need something for branding, but you don't need to invest a lot into it. It's not going to make or break your brand, but you do need something unique that identifies your business. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say start start small. You know, don't don't go out and hire a crazy graphic designer like Arun was saying. You know, just draw something up quick and and start using it. And you know, from there, build your reputation on your personal side, or you know, make your service that something worth talking about, you know, where the word of mouth is, is king. Yeah. And, and this is something that Sean Whalen talks about a lot that at the end of the day, you have your, your name and your face that are unique to you. And if you put that out there with your product, that is 
the easiest way to start marketing by far. Um, so the last point on sales and marketing is how do people buy from you? So let's say they find you, they found you in your marketing through social media or through your website or through cold calling or through walking in the door of an establishment that you want to sell to or through telling your friends, texting everyone you know, calling everyone you know. And so now they're aware. So now what you need to do is give them a way to buy from you. How are you going to do that? There's a few ways. Kind of just basically comes down to one simple thing. You need a way to accept payment. So do you have an e-commerce store? Are you taking cash? Are you taking Venmo, Zelle, PayPal, Cash App, Facebook Pay, or whatever that's called? (laughs) Um, Yeah, which which I think is run by something else now. I don't even know if Facebook even does it. Oh, okay. I feel I I think they third partied it, but I don't I don't remember. I don't use it. I don't I don't use it either. Obviously, (laughs) I I don't really trust it. But yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, yes to all of the, the above that you just talked about though, cause they're all super popular now. Yeah. And they all work. Um, don't get hung up on this whole new IRS is tracking everything over $600. Uh, just, yeah, you know, it, whatever, like cross that bridge when you come to it, in my opinion, like I am a, a CPA, I'm kind of bound to say you should pay your taxes. However, <laughs> Well, that's a bad way you're, to start that. But <laughs> you're you're still a small fish in a very large pond. Yeah, and and there's always a case where where something is going to come up and bite you that you're not compliant on. I would I would prefer to ask for forgiveness than permission. And that's not to say you should blatantly violate and commit tax fraud. But it's still like your your taxes should not be your first worry when you're starting a business. Like I'm not putting that on this list. Um, but basically do consider, you know, what payment methods are you accepting? Are you going to take credit card? How has that worked into your pricing? Little questions like this that can be a simple answer, you know, 3% on top for credit card fees, or that's part of my big 10 price, whatever it is. Don't worry too much about that. Just come up with some way for people to buy from you. You need that in order to start a business. Otherwise, you're not going to have a business. You can't make money. So the last point, point number three, time and money. Obviously, is your first thought when you hear that. Of course, Arun, I need time and money. What what else am I doing here if I'm trying to start a business and I can't? Where's, where's, Where's that 25th hour in the day, Arun? Oh, I don't get me started. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> I promise you it exists. It's called sleeping less. I, and, yep, I'm with you. <laughs> um, okay, but but so let me let me frame this idea of time and money for you a bit better. You probably right now are already working at a job or you're still at your parents' house. Maybe you're under 18, you're still in high school or middle school or elementary school. I don't know, maybe you're a absolute kid genius and ready to start your first business at six years old. Good for you. I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> however, the, the key is you've, you're probably used to some level of security. 
the the listeners here i i kind of understand that it's mostly people who who have food on the table and have a roof over their heads and if that's the case putting yourself in a risky situation where you're starting a business that is potentially going to take away your income and your benefits and your security you have to kind of weigh that risk so the real decision that you have to make here in order to check the box on the money side of things is you have to decide your financial risk tolerance for me i was fortunate that i started my business before i left my job and we'll get into that here in a second I started my business before I left my job so that within a month of leaving my job, I had replicated my income. Now, it did not stay that way. I did end up going down into very deep, you know, financial troubles with my business, but that came actually years later. But the key is that you have to basically establish like, okay, at the very least, I need X number of dollars a month coming in from whatever source so that I can pay my rent and get food on the table. And you may have to make sacrifices. Maybe you're in a two bedroom apartment for yourself right now. You need to go down to a studio. Maybe you're eating out four nights a week or you're door dashing. That's such a common expense right now that you door dash and your Chipotle burrito is $37. It's insane. (laughs) Like even to get a sandwich from Jimmy John's is 20 bucks. Yeah, so so I don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes things like meal prep services or meal kit, not meal kit, meal prep services, very cheap in um, in comparison. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so consider your own financial risk tolerance, and before you go out and make the final decision on that. If you do have a family, if you're married, if you have kids, if you have a significant other that you live with, include them in that conversation or be prepared for that relationship to end. And yeah, this was something I, I, I can't I can't stress enough to exactly what Rune said, like be as transparent as possible. Uh, because especially if you're married, because you, they do get tied to it uh, legally, uh, especially if you have partners. So uh, it, you you have to be open and honest and, and let them in on exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And then if you're like me and you move really fast, you at least document as you're going along in case I. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In let case them I in did. as much as they can. And if they have if they have questions, answer them and, and yeah. just be honest. Yeah. But but in this conversation of saying, you know, we have a two bedroom right now. We got a kid on the way. We need to downsize to a studio. Well, is your spouse going to be okay with that? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, they want to yeah, ask. <laughs> before right. you come home and say, honey, I quit my job. Yeah, my my wife, uh, Heather, I, I, I know you would absolutely destroy me if I said that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I was, I'm very fortunate that, that Evelyn, um, Ev- Evelyn um, was, was very patient and supportive through my, my financial troubles, especially, but I made the standard very clear that I would never put our roof over our head or our food on the table at risk. 
um, and that that standard would be maintained. And it, it may not look like bougie vacations every month or, you know, all the nicest stuff. Um, but that, that was the standard that I had. Yeah. Um, and, and Heather and I pretty much about fall in that same line, you know, and, don't, don't sacrifice the house. Yeah. And it, it's pretty simple at the end of the day to, to come up with that kind of a standard, but yeah, you do have to communicate. So the, the next point on money is that you do need to spend money to make money, but you can be very scrappy. So figure out all the free ways that you can do stuff before you look into paid equivalents, whether it's marketing or consulting or product development, R&D, travel. Just think about all of those kind of things that cost money. Think about the free option before you opt to spend that money and invest in your company. That can really decrease the amount of budget that you need in order to get started. And that's often some, some people's biggest hurdle is they want funding before they go out and do it. Funding is hard to get, man. Like, don't wait for funding. I'd made that mistake for three months and it almost made me go broke. Like that was, <laughs> that was what it came to. Right. Yeah. And investors, they want to see that proof of concept before they invest in anything. It's, I mean, if you watch Shark Tank, you know, they, they do key in on that. They want to see the sales. They want to see exactly how you got to where you are today. And if there's nothing backing you, they're not going to invest. Absolutely. 100% agree. And in my future investing life, that'll be one of the questions. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah. You have to be able to see that that road taken. The, the you know, road taken. can be a blind investment. Yeah, the road taken, the lessons learned, but also the the financial return demonstrated. And it goes back to those mm -hmm. earlier points of do you have market validation? Market validation to a financial investor is financial returns. Are you profitably selling your, your product? You know, forget forget the Silicon Valley completely unprofitable tech companies that are just <laughs> blowing hundreds of millions of dollars a year very inefficiently. That trend is coming to an end now with, with the oh, failure, absolutely. so many bank failures in the past couple of weeks. That's, I think we're done with, with all those big tech angel investments now. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, you, so basically the point here for money is you do need a budget to get started but be scrappy about it. That's the word that I like to use is, you know, Facebook marketplace and doing stuff for free can get you really far doing stuff on the cheap, doing stuff for free. Don't just, you know, push, push, push for somebody to write you a million dollar check. You're going to need to show some traction first. So, one last point on income now, not just a budget to get started, but your income. So I mentioned at the beginning of this part that you have security right now and you're going to be giving that up to start your own business. But like I mentioned, I started my own business before I gave that up. Now, in my employment agreement, it did say 
that this was supposed to be my sole professional focus. It was not. I don't really believe that it should be because if somebody is unhappy with their job, you're not going to stop me from dicking around at work. And I don't like to be in that situation. I've been in that situation once. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to waste my day looking at the clock. And if you're watching, listening to this podcast, you probably agree with me that it is a painful experience to watch the clock. Yeah. Like if I look out my door, if my door is like fully wide open here in my office, which the viewers can't see, I I have a clear shot at the clock out of the corner (laughs) of my eye. So like I have to crack my door shut and like, like (laughs) clock watching is awful. Yeah. And, and if you're in a job where that is your mindset every day, you are not a good employee and you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be there. And so when, when you come to that realization for yourself, of course, you're going to want to do other things. If you're driven, if you're trying to make a mark on the world and, and you realize that the path that you're currently on is not it, which is exactly what happened to me then you're going to get distracted and do other things. So whether it was my career coaching business or the book that I wrote or getting into the automotive industry consulting work and starting Driven Performance Advisors, I did all of that while I was still working. And my job wasn't supposed to be a 24-hour-a-day job. And it was okay that I was taking time to work on what I believed was my ultimate path because... Otherwise, I would have resented my job even more. So at the very least, I'm able to have the balance of saying, I know I'm working towards something that I care more about. But at the same time, doing doing my job that's giving me security. Now, I don't fully support this in the way that I did it. Because if it were me that owned the company that I was working for, I would have been pissed at myself for the way in which I approached it. And that I didn't tell anyone that I was working on my side hustle during work hours. And I wasn't paid hourly. But still, that wasn't something I I would appreciate of myself. But I would encourage my employees to share their goals and share how they're feeling about this work. And if I can make it work and they're a good employee and I want them to continue to find success in the company and we can make it work through giving them the right opportunity and learn the right skills and give them the right experience, then I'm going to do that because I, I want people to enjoy their careers. It has nothing to do with, you know, oh, you need to make me money doing this thing. It's not that. And I know I'm not alone as an employer in thinking that way. So consider sharing it with your boss. I can 100% say you're not. And I feel very blessed um, with the people who have employed me over the last 10 years now. Uh, I have been given so many different opportunities to work on side hustles or a new business 
you know, to further my own career, do this podcast in the middle of the day, you know, be on a SEMA select committee, you know, that takes a couple hours a week off my schedule. Um, so no, Arun, you're not the only person. Um, and you know, if you are an employee and you're looking to do these sorts of things, you know, build that relationship with your boss or the owner of the company you work for and be transparent and and tell them exactly where you want to go. Yep. Exactly right. Uh, okay. And so then with that said, the last point is that you're going to have to balance your time. So your money is, is now in order. You've agreed with your significant other, how much risk you're willing to take on. You've got a budget for how much you need to start your company. You're going to be saving up for that. You're going to be scrappy with it. So it's a small budget. You have a product, you have sales and marketing. You can accept payment. You can get people aware of what you're doing. You have something that's a nicely packaged value proposition to sell to people. So the last point is you need to make hours in the day. Not always the easiest thing to do. No, sir. So there are actually 25 hours in a day. This is the secret I'm going to let you in on. You ready? You ready? Can't wait. Okay. Can't wait. So, so you know how you sleep like eight hours right now? I do. Or nine or 10. (laughs) Uh, I'm on a five, five hour schedule ish, but listeners, if you're, you know, in the eight hour range, you're only on five hours. I can't. Yeah, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, so so you find what's sustainable for you. And in most cases, you'll find it's less than you need. But there's two points here. There is sleep less because you're probably wasting some time there. But you're probably wasting some time other places too. If you're so busy, if you are truly 18 hours a day working, I guarantee you you're not. You're not, you're actually not because you're probably bullshitting with people at some point in the day. You're probably spending a lot of time maybe eating or we're watching YouTube videos or you're scrolling social media or you're just not doing anything productive and you're not prioritizing actually getting the things done that you want to get done. Yeah, there's a definitely a clear difference between uh, work hours and effective work hours. You, you know, in also in what I mean by that, are in those work hours, are you completing something that's worth whatever project you're working on? You know, is it effective? Is it going to add value? Or are you just working to just work? Right. And are you wasting time? doing stuff that doesn't matter? Are you doing stuff that you should be delegating? There's a number of different ways to save time with your current work. So here's here's what I do to really define effective work. Um, And I picked this up recently off of basically listening to Rob Bailey talk about his experience with building multiple companies simultaneously. And when I heard just how much he was doing, I realized a couple things. So first I realized, okay, Rob Bailey has spread himself way too thin. He's not actually massively successful in any one of those things. 
Um, and he acknowledges that, that he's got way too much going on. He's, he's always creating new things. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like I'm, you know, bashing him behind his back saying that. Cause I feel like he would kind of agree with me. Um, but then the, the second point is that he's very effective with what he does. So he, he has, you know, eight seven figure companies or something like that, like a ridiculous amount going on, but he has, he has very little eight figure or nine figure. He has no eight figure or nine figure companies. He, he only has seven figure companies. Um, and what I picked up from this is that you can assess everything you're doing through a simple question. Does it move the needle? Does it actually move the needle one degree closer to where you're trying to go? So if you have clear goals, which fully this is a pitch for the Driven Network, if you want to go through our iterative goal setting process and figure out your clear goals and figure out the daily tasks that are going to move the needle, then you join the Driven Network. If you set those clear goals and you understand what you're supposed to be doing, you've defined the tasks that are going to move the needle. I bet they don't take as long as everything you're doing in a day. I bet a lot of what you're doing does not move the needle. So that's a big way in which you can save time is just by filtering your daily tasks through that question. Then the last point on your time is it's very easy when you go and start your own business to burn time trying to learn things that other people have learned before you. You don't need to do that. And I am not a very good example of this, but I know from my little bit of experience doing it properly that seeking mentors and seeking education from others who have walked the same path ahead of you saves you so much time. Think about it literally. You're walking down a path. It's dark. It's up a mountain. There's a fork in the road. You have to decide whether to build your e-commerce website on Shopify or on WooCommerce. <laughs> the fork in the road. You talk to people who have done both. You, you, you see a guy who, who walked down the left path of the fork. And he says, there's a freaking hungry mama bear down there who's going to kill oh, you man. If, if you go any further than I just did. And he's got torn up clothes and he's bleeding and he's shaking. That's WooCommerce. <laughs> and, and you go to the right and there's a guy who you can see at the top of the hill. It's like a clear, sunny path with nice, pretty trees on both sides, a little snow on the top of the trees. And, you know, there's there's steps that look solid. And you just... That sounds deceptive. Well, there's a guy at the top who's just smiling and waving <laughs> back down at you. And he's saying, it's great. Come on up. It's easy. Here, you just you just got to jump over this little river right here. I put a log down for you so you don't have to do the same jump that I did. Easy, man. Come on up. All right. I know what path I'm taking. And I didn't have to move. 
I've just had two conversations with people. I'm going to use Shopify. This is not an ad for either e-commerce platform. This is my personal experience that Shopify is significantly easier to use. But my point being, mentors can really help save you time. And if you take the time to have one or two conversations with people, you will get so much further than if you're just Googling stuff. So don't just Google stuff. Try to find people who have gone before you and uh, get their advice. And that's actually how we started this podcast. So thank you, Jake, for the equipment advice and the advice on topics and everything that got us to this point so far. Um, so that's all I got. Just to recap, to start a business, you don't need an LLC or business cards or any other BS like that. You need a product, you need a sales and marketing plan, and you need time and money. And hopefully we've shared some tactics that you can employ here to really understand what's going to work in, in each of those categories. So Dan, do you have any, any ways that other, other ways that people could maybe help themselves get further yeah, down this I, path? I, I've got one thing and, and you'd written it on our notes, but you didn't touch on it. Oh, um, and, and this is kind of where, where I specialize in with what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, Invest in some sort of way to track your inventory if you actually have mm-hmm. products that you're selling. Um, I have seen where where companies go when they don't track and it becomes a nightmare. Uh, if The earlier you track, the better off you're going to be long term. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would start that right off the bat, have some sort of inventory system, have a purchase ordering system that goes hand in hand with that. Um that way you don't get lost in your inventory where you end up with a thousand of something that you may sell one every three months of, because then you'll be in the <laughs> hole and you can't get rid of it. Ooh. So yeah, um, I, I've seen where that nightmare goes and, and keep it organized. <clears throat> I cannot stress right. that enough. Right. Okay. Thank you. But that, you that's like my s- one thing that, <laughs> that I needed to mention. Like, okay. That, that's where I specialize in. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so that's all I've got on this message. Dan, you want to take us out? Yeah. Uh, if you want to support Arun and I, you know, please write a review. Uh, you know, good or bad, privately or publicly. We, you know, you write us a review. It just makes us better. And we want to get better. Um, and share it with your friends, family, maybe even your neighbor. If, you, if your neighbor is cool, you know, into this st- sort of stuff. Only if they're cool. Um, the more people that listen, the better we get. Uh, we are sponsored by We Are Driven. Uh, you can find them on Instagram, YouTube, and their website. Uh, they sell some awesome apparel. I love their shirts. Great quality stuff. I, I have three. One's about done, though, because I wear it too much. Uh, but yeah, ch- check out the website. It's we're doing, really awesome. Um, we're doing 40% off all apparel right now. Oh, man, I better buy me some new shirts then. 40% <laughs> off because of Shopify and our new inventory management system. <laughs> cool. All right. So when, when this episode comes out, it'll be 40% off. Um, also, Arun loves to wake up and send messages at 4 a.m. Uh, they're motivational messages. If you'd like to see those and receive them, please message Arun or myself, and we'll get you a link to our Discord where you can see them. 
Um, and if you want help in your pursuit of excellence, you can join the Driven Network uh, via our website. Uh, there we'll we'll talk about how to, you know, get better with business, fitness, and automotive. You know, to further your life's happiness. <laughs> we all of this, all of this is to live the best life you can, and and for us, that's through this driven mindset, driven lifestyle, and everything Dan just touched on is, is in, in the mission of sharing driven with as many people as possible, including this podcast. So if you've listened this far, you know, you're, you're well on your way to being as driven as freaking possible. Keep it up. So that's all we got, I guess. Super awkward. That's all we got. Yeah. I'm I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. We're, we're done. So this one, so, you know, if you, if you're going to go start a business, let us know, we can, we can probably help with, with running you through the, the checklist here of, of product sales and marketing time and money. And absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm an open book. Yeah. And so for, for everybody who wants to do that, you know, where to find us. I'm at Arun D. Kumar, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, websites, we are driven.co. Thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Stay driven.